I don't use the word symptoms. Oh, okay. Because menopause, perimenopause and menopause are not synonyms for suffering. They're not ailments, they're not diseases, and they're not conditions. So so I don't use the word symptoms. Now, that doesn't mean that women don't suffer. Right. Some women, about 20% of women actually suffer greatly, but the symptoms they're experiencing could be symptoms of hormone imbalance. They could be symptoms of lifestyle factors. And I already mentioned mine, sleep deprivation and stress and cortisol is our stress hormone. Mm -hmm. So it's super important to take care of that because sometimes the symptoms cross over. And if you're thinking, oh, it's just perimenopause, I'll put my health on the back burner, there's nothing I can do about it, it might be cortisol and stress. So it's really important that you do address that and start taking care of yourself. It might also be um, symptoms of uh, something else like a nutritional deficiency. Welcome to episode 11 of the Discovering Alternative Healing Podcast. My name is Sheil, and I'll be your host. I'd like to say a big thank you to all the listeners out there finding this podcast and inviting it into your life. Right now, serendipitously, perhaps at this very moment in time, the universe is speaking to you through this podcast and perhaps revealing answers to you. With gratitude for your time, and may this podcast be of most benefit to you. I'd like to dedicate this episode to all the alternative healing practitioners, spiritual teachers, wellness coaches, and health advocates around the globe for their continued commitment in helping others heal and awaken to live healthy, empowered, content lives with inner peace and wisdom. In this episode, menopause, you deserve to feel amazing. Menopause expert Shirley Weir believes menopause conversations are becoming more mainstream, but more conversations won't work if they continue to perpetuate outdated myths and misinformation. It's important that all women and men know that menopause is not a symptom for suffering. It's not only about symptom management. We need to remind women that we deserve to feel amazing. And even when the journey towards amazing runs through a tiny little place called not yet amazing, we are smart and we can learn to navigate this journey with confidence and ease. Please join us in this conversation with Shirley as we talk about transitioning from perimenopause into postmenopause, gracefully honoring our femininity. To always get notified of a new podcast, depending on the platform you're using, please click subscribe or follow on the top of your screen. To be part of our Instagram community, we're at Discovering Alternative Healing. Hope to see you there. Additionally, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to drop me a message on the Anchor platform or Instagram. 
May you continue to be nourished by the power of consciousness. Hello, Shirley. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Um, what was your journey to becoming who you are today? Whoa, <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Um, I like to begin by saying I never imagined in a million years that I would grow up to be a menopause chick. Like this was not the plan I had for myself. And I had a a really busy, thriving career in marketing and communications. And uh, it wasn't until I was in my early to mid forties where I started going through things that I needed some explanation and clarification, <clears throat> excuse me, on. And, um, and it, you know, it took me to a couple of places that were disappointing. One was Dr. Google. That was really disappointing. And Two was actually to my doctor's office, you know, a physician who I loved, who I respected, who was female. She was about 10 years older than I am. And I just was really looking for one of those engaging, empowered conversations. And I didn't get it. Um, instead, I got offered things like sleeping pills and the birth control pill and antidepressants. And that really is what set me on this journey to not only crack open the conversation about menopause, but to really reframe it uh, for the next generation. Wow. Yeah. And that's how I got here. And it's a full-time, more than a full-time job now, because there are a lot of other women like us who have questions mm-hmm. and who are maybe a little confused or maybe feel as though they missed the health class. Um, so that could be me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I would say to you or any of your listeners. Like you didn't miss the health class. Like majority of us maybe got a minimum amount of health education in school. I like to refer to it as, um, uh, you know, menopause chicks is sometimes the best health class you've had since grade seven. Uh, but in reality, it's probably the only health class you've had since grade seven, right? So yeah. we do a really good job at teaching youth about how to make a baby and how not to make a baby. And we do a pretty decent job of, um, I think, really looking after women who are pregnant. Or, or having babies or who have even had a baby. But then there's this big gap in women's health where we don't do a very good job at explaining that next phase of what happens next and how you can take care of yourself. That's really true. I am so happy that you've journeyed into what you're doing today. Um, <laughs> the universe is so miraculously unbelievable. And it's so wonderful when you sort of, you know, stay off, you go off course and you find yourself, True. you know, you find yourself, um, you know, doing something that's totally unexpected and it just blossoms into like something that you're just so passionate and committed about that brings you a lot of joy. I can tell by just, you know, speaking with you. Well, you my eyes are lighting up right now because <laughs> you just described every single day for the last 10 years. 
That is incredible. I have been doing this work for 10 years. I learn something new every single day. And that is, if that's what going off course means, then it is, as you said, very beautiful. Wow. Well, congratulations for for finding, um, you know, your true calling. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us um, and actually help us to understand the difference between perimenopause and menopause? Yeah, sure. Um, So I will start out by saying that the term perimenopause was only coined in 1996. So if you're listening to this and thinking, how come I didn't know this? Or how come my doctor never told me or my mother never told me? Like it seriously was not a word until 1996, which is not that long ago. True. Right. So prior to that, menopause was the only word that we knew. And it more or less defined like I call it an umbrella term that was kind of everything like leading up to age 50 and maybe all the years afterwards. And it still gets used as that umbrella term, but here are the real definitions. Perimenopause is the phase of life leading up to menopause and peri means around. So just like an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old girl might not have her period yet, her body is adjusting. She's around puberty. And so this exact same thing happens at the other end of the teeter-totter where your body starts to prepare for menopause. That's the definition of perimenopause. It's not defined by symptoms and it doesn't mean suffering. It simply means that you are around the age of menopause, might be five years before you uh, stop having your period. It might be 10 years. Everyone is different. And then the definition, true definition of menopause is 12, the 12 month anniversary of your last period. So one of the defining experiences of perimenopause is that our periods change. As progesterone drops, periods can become lighter, they can become heavier, and they can become irregular. And so the reason why we have that 12-month anniversary is that no one ever knows if it was their last period, right? right? So for me, you know, I went 10 months without a period. I had just announced to my girlfriends that I had gone 10 months and that I was going to invent a cocktail and throw a party when I got my period that night in a hotel room. And then I had to start counting over again. And that is just a classic example of what can happen in perimenopause. And then you have the one day anniversary and every day after that for the rest of our lives is postmenopause. Wow. So what around what age is perimenopause? Good question. So the average age in Canada, the average age in North America, actually, of menopause is 51. I believe it's climbing a little bit, and we can talk about that if you like. So um, for me, I started to notice changes in my early 40s. Um, In looking back, it might not have been perimenopause. I might have been wink, wink, stressed out, burnt out, sleep deprived, not taking care of myself. And guess what? Your body kind of 
taps you on the shoulder and says, mm-hmm. uh, listen up here, Shirley, you know, you got to start taking care of yourself. So I w- I did have a little bit of that. Now, what I described to you with the, the regular periods that happened at age 47, 48 for me, I reached menopause at age 49, which is a little under the average age and I'm 55 now. So I've been in post-menopause for six years. So um, if I'm understanding menopause is when your period has stopped for 12 months. That's correct. And perimenopause starts at um, in your, it starts in your forties and your period starts to change. And then gradually there'll be a time that your, your period will go on for 12 months. No, you will, you will uh, no, you'll be period free for 12 months. Oh, you'll be period free for 12 months. I understand. Right. So you could go, you might, everyone is different. So some, for some women, and in fact, this is what I thought menopause was before I started learning about this topic. For some women, it's a light switch. They have their last period. They never have another one again. 12 months later, they're like, oh, I guess I'm, I've reached menopause and, and carry forward. For others, it's skip a period, get it again, maybe go three months, get it again, six, 10. You cannot say you're in menopause until you've gone 12 months. And the reason why this is so important, there's actually two two reasons why it's so important. Lots of women are just simply curious and they want to track and know. But the number one reason is if you're making decisions around birth control. So you cannot make, you know, stop birth control and doctors are deathly afraid of their 50 year old patients getting pregnant. Trust me. Yes. Yes. Right. So number one reason you need to know is for birth control. Number two reason is that should you bleed later on after like 12 plus months, it could be a sign of gynecological cancer. And I don't mean to scare everyone in that, but it's really important because women are so used to having a period for 40 years, 30 or 40 years, like whatever the case may be, right? That if they get a period, say two years after menopause, they're like, oh, shoot. And they just maybe not head to their doctor and, and get it checked out or investigated. It might be nothing. It might be a sign of infection, but it's often a sign of early, like it's an opportunity for early detection of a gynecological cancer. So that's why it's important for you to track and to know. I understand. So what would be the symptoms that one would be experiencing when menopausal? Well, I don't use the word symptoms. Oh, okay. Because menopause, perimenopause and menopause are not synonyms for suffering they're not ailments they're not diseases and they're not conditions so I understand so I don't use the word symptoms now that doesn't mean that women don't suffer right some women about 20 percent of women actually suffer greatly but the symptoms they're experiencing could be symptoms of hormone imbalance They could be symptoms of lifestyle factors. And I already mentioned mine, sleep deprivation and stress. 
and cortisol is our stress hormone. Mm -hmm. So it's super important to take care of that because sometimes the symptoms cross over. And if you're thinking, oh, it's just perimenopause, I'll put my health on the back burner. There's nothing I can do about it. It might be cortisol and stress. So it's really important that you do address that and start taking care of yourself. It might also be um, symptoms of uh, something else like a nutritional deficiency. Lots of women, um, because they have periods, experience iron deficiency. And iron deficiency can show up as headaches, depression, fatigue, exhaustion, hair loss. And there's a lot of those things, you know, that I just listed that we don't often run to our doctors about. We might just suck it up, put up with it, think, oh, I must be, I must have drew the short straw. You know, I'm unlucky. Um, And they could be missing an important opportunity to invest in nutrition. And then the other thing, um, you know, that I have a pyramid that I refer to when I teach my masterclass is thyroid. And thyroid is a gland, but it's also a hormone. And the, um, the symptoms of a thyroid imbalance are really important to address because they also mimic some of the classical, what others refer to as symptoms of menopause. So it's, it's, like, um, it's like a full ladder that I really want women to walk through the steps and say, you know, maybe it's how I eat, I eat, move and sleep, or maybe it's how I manage stress. But if you don't go through the whole ladder, you might miss a chance to treat a thyroid imbalance. And that can be easily like hidden and not thought about. Totally. And mistaken for other things. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. (laughs) And then of course, there's the reality that, at a certain age, um, it, you know, during perimenopause, classic, like generally speaking, women's progesterone drops, and that can often show up uh, as an impact to our sleep, our mood, and our period. Those are kind of like top three, but it might also affect libido, energy, um, and you know, skin, like other things. And then postmenopause, women's estrogen goes for a steep decline. So if you, maybe you sailed through perimenopause, maybe you were fine. You were like, Oh, I got this. Um, you might not be prepared for that steep drop in estrogen that happens after. And that the, the experiences of estrogen decline show up as vaginal dryness, joint pain, even like really common frequent UTIs, urinary tract infections, our body has been producing estrogen for a really long time. And, and those hormones do really important jobs in our body. And without them, we're not often prepared for the impact. So what can we do, um, you know, just to prepare for the impact? Um, well, number one is get informed. <laughs> read a book, take a class, join the menopause tricks community, get as educated as you can uh, to, these aren't necessarily in, in like you get to pick the order of these, but build a health team. 
And I refer to that phrase often. Um, that health team might be your family doctor, but it might be, uh, you might wanna surround yourself with other informed practitioners. Um, ideally practitioners who understand the, you know, the hormone pyramid that I refer to, who understand thyroid health, um, and probably I should have said this one first, but like we get to a certain age where we absolutely, we do have to stop and address lifestyle. If you're someone who didn't, let's, I'm just going to say me, right. Didn't love exercise, tried to incorporate it, but you know, it was sometimes hit and miss. You get to an age where you can't be that person anymore without feeling the impact of it. Or another example would be, you know, in our 20s, we can stay out and dance all night and we can go through drive throughs and eat that food and we can get up and go to work the next day. And it's yeah. Right. And then, you know, 20 years later, not so easy to do. And it impacts our quality of life. If you're not getting the right nutrition, you're not getting the right sleep, you're not getting the right exercise, then your mood, your mental health is affected. Your production of cortisol is going to change. Progesterone and estrogen might be out of balance. So I'd say those are the things that I would recommend absolutely to everyone. Um, and then for some women and, uh, hopefully everyone at some point in the future, have a conversation with your health team about the benefits of supporting hormone production. And the reason that's so important, I don't want to leave it as, oh, this is a choice to have a conversation about hormone therapy. Um, it's a necessity because we, our generation is facing the highest statistics of heart disease and stroke and osteoporosis and dementia and vaginal dryness and incontinence than any other generation before. Why? Because we're the first generation to turn 50 and have 50 more years to plan for. Wow. Right? Yeah. But as we plan for those 50 years, we have to make sure that we're investing and, you know, ideally staying as far away from that list of, of ailments and conditions that I just rhymed off. Hormone therapy, what is that? Uh, so hormone therapy, it is a prescription medication, um, but it's not like other drugs because it's actually a way to give your body back what it used to make on its own. Oh, so, I see. And would you have to be on hormone therapy for a long time? It's a good question. I think, it, you know, it's a very individualized protocol. So um, I started hormone therapy at age 48. I reached menopause at 49. I'm 40, I'm 55. I have zero plans to discontinue hormone therapy. Um, but that's for that's my health journey. And I'm happy to share that. My sister's journey, she's 10 years older than I am. Um, she had cancer as a child. And the radiation that she had, the radiation treatments that she had when she was six years old, destroyed a lot of her egg follicles. So she got her period late at 18. 
She had difficulty conceiving and carrying a baby to term. And then she reached menopause at age 36. Wow. She is now 65. She's a healthy 65 year old. Uh, had she not had hormone therapy from age 36 to 65, she would most likely have osteoporosis. Wow. Because our bones really rely on progesterone and estrogen. Um, uh, her heart is healthy. And that's really important because we have heart disease in our family, as many families do. Mm -hmm. um, but estrogen is really protective of the heart. And, and then, of course, dementia. I mean, we're all kind of concerned about protecting our brain health. Yes. And we know that uh, good quality sleep and omega-3s and estrogen are very protective of our brain as well. So it's, it's a huge topic. It's like, it is. Yes. I know you just invited me to talk about menopause. No. Just that one little day. <laughs> um, is hormone therapy something that you see your family physician about? Yeah. Any, any uh, practitioner who has prescribing rights can prescribe hormone therapy. So you're in Ontario. Um, so that could be your medical doctor. Naturopaths have prescribing rights in Ontario. Nurse practitioners have prescribing rights. So um, those would be three options there. Um, in British Columbia, it's the same thing. In other provinces, it does vary. Your medical doctor would be able to prescribe, nurse practitioner probably, um, but not natu naturopaths don't have um, rights across the country yet. Mm -hmm. I see. Thank you for the clarification. Can you talk to us about hot flashes and why they occur? I sure can. Um, Hot flashes are, <laughs> they seem to be the number one topic that marketers and media and even the medical community want to discuss. Mm -hmm. But in my community, it's really, and, it, and the statistics show this too, it's not the number one conversation or concern that women have. Hot flashes are a signal from your body that your hormones are out of balance. So I like to reframe that for women and ask them to think of it as a tap on the shoulder from your body that your body needs something. And you are not meant to suffer, right? We are not right. meant to put up with this. So it's like the engine light com coming on in your car. So when the light comes on, you can choose to put a piece of duct tape over top of it and not see it anymore, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or you can choose to go to a mechanic, lift the hood, find out what the root cause is of that light coming on and treat it. And treating hot flashes, even though some of us might consider it even a mild inconvenience, paying attention to them allows us the opportunity to invest in our heart health down the road, right? So it's not just a temperature 
issue. It's a hormone imbalance issue. And for some women, you know, about 20% of women, um, it's intolerable. It impacts their ability to work. It impacts their ability to get a good night's sleep, which has a ripple effect on their overall health. So um, definitely something that we need to pay attention to. However, hot flashes um, the, for most women occur in that last year of perimenopause. So that year when you're period free and you haven't quite hit the menopause anniversary yet, that's when most women experience hot flashes. Sometimes they last for two years uh, and for a very, very like small percentage, I think it's 8% of women will experience it for sometimes five to 10 years, but that is only if they don't address their hormone balance. I understand. And are hot flashes random? Mm-hmm. They sure are. And they're different for everyone and they're different for every culture and every country. Really? And I can't speak to the details of that, but I met a nurse, uh, she's a professor of nursing at the university of Indiana. And she has done a study on how women around the world experience hot flashes. So for some women, it's like at the neck and the chest for some women, it's, you know, the back of the head for some women, it's full body. And she has a beautiful floral display that she uses just to describe it. It's quite interesting. It's just, I think a way to underscore the fact that we are all individuals. Yeah. So it's not, there's no one answer for everyone. What do you do when you're experiencing a hot flash? Well, I hope you take it as a, the same, I hope you do the same thing as when the engine light comes on in your car. I hope you say, Hey, uh, my body's trying to tell me something. I deserve some self-care right now. I'm going to learn whatever I can. And I'm going to have a conversation with my health team about what I can do to invest in my health. I see. I've seen women put like a cold compress. Is that? Okay. So the root cause of hot flashes is not temperature. Uh-huh. I want you to do whatever it takes for you to be comfortable in the moment. I want you to sleep in whatever you want to sleep. I want you to walk into whatever freezer you want to walk into, but I want you to know that that is not treating the hot flash. Got it. Got That's it. treating the symptom. Yes. So correct. So true. <laughs> <laughs> um, why do women who are transitioning into menopause experience pronounced chin hair growth? <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I've heard I women don't, talk about it. Yeah, I don't have a lot of research on it, but I remember. I remember the day of my wedding actually realizing I had a big long hair coming out of my neck that I needed to address. And it was like, what is happening here? Um, <laughs> it's a change in hormones. Does hormone therapy help with that? Like reduce it? I'm not the best expert on facial hair. Um, I know, you know, for some women, um, my daughter has PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is another hormone imbalance condition. She's 18 years old and one of there's five symptoms. And one of the five symptoms is facial hair. So our hormones can be out of balance at any age. 
And it's, again, it's like the engine light in your car. Like if you are noticing and challenged with facial hair, I would invite you to work with a hormone balance expert and to find out why. Right. Now I have read that with menopause comes interrupted sleep and night sweats we talked about. Um, why is this occurring? Uh, because your harm. Well, I think, you know, to reiterate, it could be lifestyle, could be stress, could be nutritional deficiencies, could be thyroid. For most of us, it's hormones are out of balance. So I'll try to describe what happens in perimenopause is that hormones fluctuate wildly like a roller coaster. Um, they fluctuate year to year, month to month, week to week, even morning to night. Wow. Our hormones are always changing in perimenopause. Um, generally speaking, estrogen is higher and progesterone is lower. So when your cycle is regular, those two hormones are like dance partners. Mm. Estrogen is dominant in the first two weeks of your cycle and progesterone comes in like this perfect dance partner. And the two of them get along like, like nothing. Right. And your cycle's regular and you can conquer the world and make babies and do all sorts of things in perimenopause. If those two dance partners grow further and further apart, more estrogen, less progesterone, that's what brings on some of those disruptive experiences like changes to mood and sleep and to bleeding. And then in postmenopause, it's generally speaking, the estrogen decline. And estrogen is our juicy hormone. Like it's responsible for keeping our eyes moist and our mouth moist and our joints and our vaginas. And if it goes, like it's not gradual. It's like a drop zone. Wow. That like was jumping. my next question. Yeah. It's like, you know, again, I'm speaking generally, but estrogen drops like a cliff dive. And that is why I talk to so many women who wake up in their mid fifties and they're like, what's happening? I've exercised all my life. I've eaten really well. I've managed my stress. And now I'm dealing with symptoms of estrogen decline. So that's why the, um, when you asked me earlier, what we can all do about this, it's why I, I name education first, right? Mm -hmm. Because the more informed you are, the more empowered you feel to have conversations about like, this isn't about you know, here's a problem and here's the magic wand solution. There is no magic wand, but education and empowerment can be an, a magic wand to open up the door so that you can find the journey that's right for you. It can open up the door so that you can have real conversations with your friends, with the women you work with, your daughter, your mother, right? So it's, um, it has to be first. Thank you for sharing that. Can you talk to us about vaginal dryness um, and why does it occur and how can we treat it? Okay, so vaginal dryness and vulva dryness um, both occur because estrogen declines. We've yes. gone over that. 
The other thing that happens at this age is something called hyaluronic acid. Yes, um, I'm you've familiar probably, with that. Have you heard that? So yes. it's used it's in, in products. A lot of, yeah, it's used in a lot of beauty products. So hyaluronic acid is a molecule that our body produces on its own. And we produce hyaluronic acid up until about our 30s or 40s. And then it starts to decline 10% per decade. Wow. But it also goes for a steep decline after menopause. So um, hyaluronic acid and estrogen keep us moist and juicy and, you know, comfortable. Like it's about, you know, lots of women will come to the conversation around vaginal dryness from a, a sexual health perspective. But for many women, it's about sitting comfortably. It's about wearing jeans that they want to. It's about being able to go to yoga or dance class. And it's about preventing UTIs and incontinence. So estrogen, when we're producing it at the full level prior to menopause, we're not getting UTIs. We're not, our pelvic floor is pretty healthy. Um, most of us aren't experiencing pain with sex. And then without the estrogen and without the hyaluronic acid, um, those things can start to become more prevalent. It's, there's lots of options for preventing and there's lots of options for treating. So what I really want your listeners to know is that the only thing you can't do is give up and suffer in silence. You got to call me <laughs> yes. and I will walk you through what all of your options are. And they include um, if you're not experiencing pain and let's say you're in prevention mode, which I always was, I'm like vaginal dryness. What? I don't want that. So what can I do to prevent it? Yeah. Um, have, have lots of sex and orgasms the energy um, to the pelvic floor via sex and orgasms helps to generate that natural moisture. So that's really important. Number two is to work with a pelvic floor physiotherapist. And that's a physiotherapist who is has additional training in treating the pelvic floor. Um, they can help you with exercises, those doing regular exercises. Again, the sends energy to the pelvic floor and helps keep it healthy. Um, moisturizing with hyaluronic acid is another option. Um, it's based on research uh, from a gynecologist out of Sweden. Her name is Dr. Petra Stute. And I took that research uh, two or three years ago to a local pharmacy and they compounded a moisturizer for members of the menopause chicks community um, that only has hyaluronic acid in it. it doesn't have any preservatives or additives because you really want to be careful with what you're using um, on the vulva and in the vagina and then localized estrogen therapy. So we talked about hormone therapy, um, and that's generally something that you would either take orally or apply transdermally to your skin, but it can also be effective vaginally. And in fact, it's really effective at treating vaginal dryness when it's applied locally. Um, the only challenge with that statement is that you have to wait for the condition to exist 
before a physician will prescribe it to you. And I'm always in prevention mode. So that's why I like to talk about the hyaluronic acid moisturizer because it, it can actually prevent dryness from happening in the first place. I saw that on your Instagram <laughs> um, that you created such a beautiful product. Yeah, the reviews, are, the reviews give me chills. Like when I hear what some of women have gone through even to find a solution. Um, and there's this statistic that, you know, makes me really angry actually, because 80% of women will experience vaginal dryness and less than 4% are currently receiving treatment. Wow. We got to do something about that. Definitely. Now your product, um, how could one get, get it? Yeah, you can, it's, um, so in Canada, um, it's made to order. So you order and the pharmacist makes it that day and ships it right away. And uh, you can go to moisturizeyourvagina.com and place your order. There you have it, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> now, is uh, is this something that um, you need to keep in the refrigerator no. or anything like that? Room temperature is fine. Yeah, it's just, it's like, I want you to think about it like um, you moisturize your hands and your face. And if you can make it part of your regular routine, some women use it um, two or three times a day when they're first starting out. But generally speaking, the majority of women will be using it either once a day or every other day. Um, brush your teeth, moisturize your face, moisturize your vagina, and then go and conquer the world. Yes. W what a beautiful thing. <laughs> so in post-menopause, yes. does our sex drive decrease and do we get you know, moody, does depression come in? Well, yeah, so those are very nuanced experiences. Um, sexual desire comes up a lot, but I have to tell you, mm -hmm. it comes up in perimenopause more than postmenopause. Is that right? Yeah. And it has to do with our hormones fluctuating and it also has to do with stress. So if you think about women who are, let's say, 45 years old, and you're holding down the job, and you're taking care of family, and you have busy children, and you're probably taking care of aging parents, and if you were to walk into any community organization, you're probably volunteering there too. Like, literally, women are holding up the world. And um, where does sexual desire fit in to that grocery list? You know, yes. it's, yes. Um, it's really challenging. So I actually work with a, a doctor out of the UBC Sexual Health Research Lab, University of British Columbia. Her name is Dr. Lori Brado. Yes. And she has done extensive research on the impact of mindfulness and meditation and the positive impact that mindfulness and meditation has on sexual desire. Wow. And yeah. And she's written a book called Better Sex Through Mindfulness and um, really great online resources if, if you and your listeners are interested. But that's a lot of what I hear from women in perimenopause. What I hear from women in postmenopause, and I'm not saying every woman, 
just it's kind of a theme of course. is um, often there's a bit of a rebirth um, and it could relate to many things, but it could relate to more sexual energy because you're no longer worried about birth control. Right. Uh, more sexual energy for many of us because the kids have moved out. Yes. So there's <laughs> a, a more freedom. And I hope this is the case for everyone. Um, self-care and learning to pleasure yourself, uh, you know, sex with or without a partner has so many health benefits for stress management, but also for pelvic floor health that we were just talking about. I was just thinking about ago. that. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the theme that I hear from women in postmenopause. I might be speaking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Should that be? <laughs> Thank you. I was wondering, when should we consult with our family physician? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I believe that Remember how you started out with a question about symptoms and I said yes. menopause is not an ailment or a disease or a condition. And I loved it. Well, I believe that perimenopause and menopause have been over-medicalized. So I don't know that North American culture is really ready to be just in tune with our bodies and the changes that can happen. You know, we, we go through puberty and we don't go to the doctor. Did you go to the doctor when you went through puberty? No. no. And as you're speaking about it, I was just thinking about that. Like, I was just thinking, can we not just naturally experience it? We can, um, with a caveat, a couple of caveats. I think we can naturally experience the changes to our body. Caveat number one is um, lifestyle. So in order to naturally experience it, we have to really work hard to prioritize how we eat, move, sleep, and manage stress. And I know I didn't score a hundred out of a hundred in any of those categories. Right? That is that is hard to manage. <laughs> the number two caveat is that uh, a century ago, women lived to be fifty-eight. So you had your babies when you were 19 or 20 and you died at 58. Wow. Post-menopause really wasn't a thing. Going through menopause might not have even been much of a thing. Now we turn 50 and we're running for office, running corporations, running marathons, hoping to last another 50 years but our body doesn't have the same ingredients to do all those same jobs for another 50 years. So, and sorry, I should say, I mean, hormones are natural. Like we used to make them ourselves. Now we need help. Yeah. That's, that's the long and short of it. Um, so it really probably de depends on how you define the word natural. True. What I was wondering was how do we gracefully like go through these transitions um, and just honor the feminine that we are conversation that's the answer what you're doing 
with this podcast and what your listeners might do at the water cooler tomorrow or with their daughter driving in the car next week or son or son. <laughs> yes. yes. I have one of each. Um, <laughs> uh, like it's conversation is the answer. Wow. I was uh, wondering if you could please share with us a personal quote that you created um, that inspires you. Someone told me the other day that I speak in sound bites. <laughs> I was thinking, okay, what is, what's the sound bite I really want to leave you with? I think it's this, and I, I do say this quite a bit. You deserve to feel amazing. I love that. How many times do we tell women that? Not and enough. How many, and how many times do we tell them the opposite? We tell young girls to expect period pain. We tell new mothers to expect to suffer. We tell women entering the perimenopause and menopause and postmenopause phase that it sucks. And what if we told them instead and gave them a permission slip to feel amazing? I love that. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Shirley. <laughs> what brings you joy and reward in the work that you do? Every day is joy filled for me. Um, I work directly with folks where I feel like I can make even a, the tiniest impact in their life. Maybe it's a piece of research I send them. Maybe it's uh, arming them with a question or two that they nobody ever taught them how to talk to their you know, healthcare provider or, or spouse or boss about these topics. Um, so I just like to empower women that way and, um, and remind them that they've got this, that they deserve to feel amazing, that they know how to stand up for themselves and ask the right questions. And that, you know, we're not meant to be dismissed or disappointed like I was, right? We, we're, we're smart and we're savvy and we just need to remind each other of that. That's what brings me joy. That is so beautiful and wonderful. Your Instagram account is so amazing. It's filled oh, with you. such wonderful information and such supports um, and you have such a wonderful community. Yeah, I really am blessed uh, with my Instagram community and the Facebook community. It's a private community on Facebook. Uh, we have 42,000 members uh, who ask a lot of questions, but um, over 77% of women have questions about their health. And it's really difficult to figure out where to go. So I am honored. I'm honored to create a space where you can get your questions answered. Thank you so much for creating the space that you've created for us, Shirley. Thank you, you so welcome. much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Discovering Alternative Healing Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and would like to get notified as soon as a new one is uploaded, simply click subscribe or follow on the top of your screen. Depending on the platform you're using, 
Additionally, to be part of our Instagram community, we're at Discovering Alternative Healing. With gratitude, take good care.